This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Baruch Hashem. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, sometimes when you see that red dot, finally. Okay, it's the Nishmas. That's what it is. Okay, thank you all. All right, so um, tonight we're learning Le'ilu Nishmat Rafal Fuad Ben Rina Rita. And for, uh, did I say Le'ilu Nishmat or Rafal Shema? I said Le'ilu Nishmat, right? Okay, I was good. And we're learning to Rafal Shema Te'echaskel Ben Tzila. Okay, so now... Let us, let us begin. We're getting really close to the end of the Mashiach series. Kind of uh, a little bit sad, but hopefully we'll uh, very, very soon get to greet the Mashiach and be like, I know so much. Huh? <laughs> you know, like, okay, Bo Hashem. So now, today we're going to discuss about Eliyahu Navi. There's something very interesting when we speak about Eliyahu Navi is that before the war of Gog and Magog, Eliyahu Navi is supposed to, uh, is supposed to go uh, and, and come to uh, the Jewish nation. Now, it says in Malachi, chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Before the great and awesome day, God is going to send Eliyahu Navi. Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi, the Gemara brings down a story. The Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi one time went over to Eliyahu Navi, and he says, when is Mashiach coming? So Eliyahu Navi says, why ask me? Go ask Mashiach. He says, where is Mashiach? He said, he's sitting among the sick paupers, the sick poor people uh, in the entrance to Rome. So he goes, he finds Mashiach, and he says, when are you coming? And Mashiach says, today. And the day comes and goes, and Mashiach doesn't come. Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi goes over to, he goes over to, to, uh, to Eliyahu Navi, and he says, I don't understand. You know, he... You know, Mashiach liked me. He told me that he's coming today. What happened? How come he didn't come today? So the other now he explained. He says, what does it mean today? Hayom im tishmu If you go and you, if you listen to God, then God, then Eliyahu Navi is coming today. But the question is as follows. Listen to this fascinating question. If we have, we know one of the, the fundamental principles of Judaism, the 13 animamis. One of them is animamim be'emunash lema. I believe with complete faith. If no, it's going to get delayed. Every single day, every single day, I am going to go and I'm going to wait for the Mashiach. Question is, it's like, what do you mean? What, how can we wait for the Mashiach? If Eliyahu Navi is supposed to come before Mashiach, and Eliyahu Navi is not here, so why, how could I expect Mashiach to come right now? Eliyahu Navi didn't come any yet. You ever had this question? Good. If not, it's a good question also why you didn't have this question. Question is, if we're supposed to anticipate and we're supposed to, you know, await the Mashiach every single day, how are we even supposed to do it if it says in the Pasuk that, well, the Mashiach is supposed to, that Eliyahu Navi is supposed to come before Mashiach comes? Isn't that? So what is that? Like, how do we understand this? So the answer is, is that in Yeshayahu, it says in chapter 60, verse 22, it says, that Mashiach could come either in its time, or it could come quickly. Now, if it comes in its time, then Eliyahu Navi will come before Mashiach comes to announce that Mashiach is coming and then Mashiach is going to come. However, if it comes quick, if it comes, if, it, if, if Mashiach is hastened, it's, it comes early, then Eliyahu Navi doesn't have to come before it. In fact, Mashiach has, could come and then Eliyahu Navi comes either afterwards or before. And the general ideas of when Eliyahu Navi will come is as follows. There's four opinions. Number one, it will come three days before Mashiach. Number two, it will come one day prior to Mashiach. Number three, it will come with Mashiach. Or number four, it will come um, after, uh, after Mashiach. However, there are certain days that Eliyahu will not come. And that is either on Shabbat, or Erev Shabbat, or Yom Tov, or Erev Yom Tov. Not going to come on those days. Every other day, open, what is it? Open season? Open sesame? I don't know whatever the other term is. It's, 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 Eliyahu Navi is able to go and to, and to come. So what is the purpose? Why does Eliyahu Navi have to come? We spoke about the purpose in the previous class between Eliyahu, between Meshach ben David and Meshach ben Yosef. Now, what is the additional purpose of Eliyahu Navi? And uh, there are a few reasons for Eliyahu Navi coming. Number one is to proclaim the imminent coming of Mashiach. Why? This is important, we'll soon see. He will also be involved in the resurrection of the dead, in Tchiat HaMetim. 
He will also do, give smicha to the rabbis. He will ordain the rabbis which is needed for uh, the Sanhedrin. And he will also answer decisions, answer halachic disputes that, occurred over the, uh, that happened over the centuries and that they left off with, uh, you know, take it. We don't know what's going to be. When Mashiach comes, they'll answer it. Eliyahu Rabbi will go and answer these, uh, these halachic disputes. He will also come and do something very fascinating. He will tell each and every Jew which tribe you belong. Isn't that amazing? Imagine they have a DNA test for that. Right? What is it? Uh, forever and me? I don't know. Whatever it is. 23 and I? Or my? Okay, 23 and me. Where do they get the number 23? I don't know. Um, but imagine they come out with this. Oh, check out which tribe you're at. So, Eliyahu Navi will sell that on Amazon uh, for free. And you have to go. And, um, and he'll tell you exactly which tribe you are uh, associated with. Eliyahu Navi will also anoint the Mashiach. He will also restore something very interesting. There's an, there's an ancient jar of man. That was from the time of, you know, of the time when the man originally fell. And Leo Navi is gonna, is gonna restore that, that jar. And finally, Leo Navi is gonna come and gonna bring the entire nation to do tshuva, to come closer to, uh, to God. Now, there's something very interesting. This is in Malachi, in chapter 3, verse 24. It says, That Eliyahu is going to go, and he's going to return the, the, the hearts of the sons and the fathers, and the fathers and the sons, and everybody's going to return and come closer to HaKadosh Baruch come closer to, to God. When we, uh, let's see if anybody knows here, Eliyahu Hanavi, there's another uh, word that is associated with him, Eliyahu what? Tishbi. Tishbi, very good. Anybody know why his name, it's not just a song, right? It wasn't created, why, why is it Eliyahu Tishbi? That's one answer, he was from a place of Toshav. There's another answer that Tishbi is associated with the word Tshuva. Eliyahu Navi is supposed to be bringing the people back to Tshuva before Mashiach comes. And this is what his job is. One of the jobs is going to be, is going to be helping people come and do Tshuva. It's very interesting when you look at this, one of the, one of the most, probably one of the most famous stories of Eliyahu Navi. It's in Melachim uh, in chapter 18. This is during the time where the, the, the Jewish nation was, was, was split into two kingdoms. There was the, there was the kingdom of Yehuda, and then there was the kingdom of the ten tribes. The kingdom of the ten tribes, when Eliyahu Navi made his entrance into the, you know, into the scene, the, the king of the ten tribes was Ahav. Ahav was a wicked king, and he had an even more wicked wife. And that doesn't mean wicked good. Uh, it's a wicked bad. He had a wicked bad wife uh, by the name of, anybody know? Isabel. very good. His name, Isabel was a Phoenician princess that uh, she brought, a, brought with her all her idolatries that she served in her, uh, you know, in her hometown. So, even though Ahav was a king, it was, it was really somebody really running the... Now it says behind every strong man, there's a stronger woman. This case was it literally. She controlled everything. Like, Isabel was the one that was actually manipulated entire, the entire uh, you know, thing. Not that Ahab was a good person, but uh, Isabel was, was manipulating entire, the entire system. And she actually made, uh, you know, she put a bunch of, you know, idolatries throughout the entire land. And people used to worship an idolatry called Baal. And during this time, Eliyahu goes and meets King Ahab. And he says, what are you doing? He says, what are you doing? You're making people serve Avodah Zarah? He says, you better go and stop for it. If you don't stop for it, the divine punishment is going to come for you. It's going to be very, very bad for you and the entire nation. So what did Ahab do? Instead of taking this, this, this uh, rebuke seriously, he laughed. He says, really? <laughs> That's going to happen? It says in the Torah. It says right over there. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu says that what if you don't listen to the bad things are going to happen? Look, so far nothing happened. What does it say? What does the saying goes that you're never supposed to say, like, it can't get any worse? Like, you don't start opening your mouth. And, but then, what happened? Eliyahu Navi says, oh, really? He says, in the name of God, starting from now, there's going to be a famine in the land. And uh, until you go, until you're going to go and, and, and listen, to, uh, listen to God. 
And from that day on, a famine began. From, that, from the day that Yonavi literally said that famine is going to start, that's when a famine instantly started, and there was no rain. Not only was no rain, there was no rain in the surrounding uh, you know, towns and countries. Why? Because they weren't even able to go and import bread from surrounding areas, because the famine spread out throughout. The, during this time, I guess we could, there was a sidetrack to this, to this story, that during this time, the, um, God told Eliyahu Navi to go to a certain town called you know, Tzalfasa. And in this town, he said, you're going to meet this woman, who, uh, you know, and he walks into this town, he meets this woman who is gathering sticks. And he asks this woman, he says, maybe you have some water, some bread, some, some food for me. And she says, listen, all I have is very, very little in, in, my, in my house just to sustain me and my son. So Eliyahu says, don't worry about it. And there was a miracle that was made. And all of a sudden, she had enough, long story short, she had enough food to sustain the family for an entire, for an entire year. And she sustained Eliyahu as well. Soon thereafter that Eliyahu came, the son got sick. And according to some opinions, he died. And she goes over to Eliyahu and says, look what happened. So Eliyahu Navi goes and he, you know, to, as, a, as a gratitude for all the good that she has done for him. He went and he prayed to God and this son came back to life. Who was this boy? Anybody know who this was? It was Yonah. Very good. It was Yonah. Yonah Navi. Who was Yonah? Yonah was another big story in the Chuba world. He was another one that went into Nineveh and he went and he, tried, and he got the non-Jews and said, listen, if you don't go and do Chuba, God is going to destroy your entire country. And they went and they did Chuba for a certain period of time and then they ended up getting destroyed. But whatever it is, this is, this is, by the way, this is something interesting. Where do you read Yonah? On Yom Kippur. Also a day of Chuba. Also a day of things. This was all related to, to Eliyahu and Navi's, uh, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, um, destiny, if we could call it that. So, after a period of time, Eliyahu, uh, God comes over to Eliyahu and says, I want you to go back to Ahab. Three years passed by. The famine was going on for three years. And during this time, Izebel goes and she, anybody who, who prophesied the name of God, the true God, was destroyed and killed. She didn't go for that. And the, the, the false prophets, the prophets of Baal, she went and she sustained them, she protected them. There were 450 pro- false prophets of God during this time, of, of Baal. And... Eliyahu goes, and he meets with Ahav. And Ahav goes to him and says, look what you've done to, to our people. There's a famine, there's no food, people are starving, look what you're doing. And Eliyahu says, no, 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 you're not going to put this on me, me, I'm doing it, this is you and your family. This is because you're not listening to God. And Eliyahu says, this is going to end right here, right now. It's ending today. So we're taking this outside, literally. They took it outside to a place called Harakamel. Mount of Carmel. And Eliyahu goes and he gave this uh, proposition. He says, this is what you're going to do. He says, you take your 450 false prophets of the Baal and you bring them up to this, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he said the false prophets. Right? He goes and you bring them up to what? Bring them up to the, to the mountain. We're going to take two bulls. I'm going to slaughter and I'm just one. I'm going to slaughter the bull in the name of God. You're going to slaughter the bull in the name of your Baal. And you're going to go, and we're each going to go and pray to our gods. Whichever is the God that's going to bring fire down from heaven, that's how we know is the right God. Because what was happening until now, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, they were serving both. They were serving Baal, and then when they had problems, they went to God. And then they went back to Baal, and they went back to God. And they went back to Baal, and they went back to God. They went back to the TV, and they went back to Baal, and they went back to God. Right? They went back to their English music, and they went back to Baal. They went back to the... Not, they, went, they were in two worlds at the same time. So Leonardo says, how long are you going to do this? How long are you going to be in two worlds at the same time? Pick a world. Pick a world and go for it. So... Leonavi goes and says, today we're going to figure it out. Today we're going to find out who is the true power, who is the true God. So everyone was like, all right, this is a good show. Let's watch it. Let's do it. And they all gathered on this mountain. And the king also gathered, you know, and the, the 450 false prophets of the Baal gathered. And they each set up two places where they're going to slaughter. And they took two identical twin bulls. And they drew lots. 
and Liao got one, and the Baal, you know, you know, group got the other one. Eliyahu brings his bull to the other one. The Baal group, they couldn't, they couldn't, the, the bull would not budge. It would stay still exactly where it is. And as much as they try to force it to come to the, to their side, it would not move. So the anime goes and he whispers into the, into the bull, just like your twin brother, which is the other, the other bull, is gonna do a Kiddush Hashem. For what's gonna happen, so to you, you're gonna do a Kiddush Hashem. Don't give them a reason and answer to say, well, our bull didn't want to come. You go with them as well. Now, don't try this. Don't start talking to your pets, um, even though I know people do that anyways. I don't understand why they, they don't speak your language. Um, but they, uh, you know, the bull was like, okay. I mean, and he's like, okay. But he just went and he, all of a sudden he went and he, and he listened to Elian Avi. He went and he followed the group of the Baal. So now they have their both the, the, in the, you know, on their altars, they have their, the, the Elian Avi's bull and you have the Baal's bull. Now, Elian Avi says, Bechabot, please go, go first. So they go and they slaughter the bull, they put up over there and they start screaming to their God. And they're praying and they're talking and they're screaming. And meanwhile, nothing is happening. They're screaming from morning till noon. Non-stop, nothing is happening. So Elian Avi was actually, you know, like, it would be so amazing if we could actually witness this. But he was actually taunting them. He's like, you don't understand. The, they can't hear you. <laughs> the God can't hear you. You gotta go louder. Um, and, you know, it was like the opposite of trash talking. He was like giving them advice. I don't know what that's called. That's like, you know, bonus talking. I don't know. So he was like, you gotta talk louder. They can't hear you. And he's going and they're screaming on top of their lungs for the, you know, for their God. And then they do their rituals, which is one of them is to, they cut themselves. They cut themselves at, you know, for the sake of their, of their God. And they're cutting themselves and blood is everywhere and they're screaming and their eyes are bloodshot and everything is going on and nothing is happening. Finally, Leon Avi's like, oh, is, is, can I go? Is it my turn? You know, like, I, I'm paraphrasing. But, and he goes, he's like, you know, can, can I do it now? And he goes up, he says a short prayer, about two sentences. And before he finishes a short prayer, a fire comes out from heaven and burns the entire Koban. Now, it's nice that the fire burned it, but he made, a, there was something else that happened as well. He put 12 stones corresponding to the 12 tribes. And then he drenched the entire Koban in water. Because usually when you have fire and water, they don't usually light. I, you know, I don't know how many pyromaniacs, is that the word? Pyromaniacs? I don't know how many pyromaniacs we have over here. Uh, if it would be a men class, 99% of people would raise their hand. But, um, you know, when you have something drenched in water, it doesn't light well. And they went and they drenched this entire koban with water. And not only that, the fire came down and instantly burned down the entire, the entire koban. All of a sudden, the Jewish nation saw the difference. It says, look what we're dealing with. We're, we're serving this false god. And now we're serving this. It's like, this is a joke. And all of a sudden, they said, right, right then and there, they said, Hashem Elohim, Hashem Elohim. Part of the prayers that we say on Yom Kippur as well. They, you know, that's what they announced, Hashem Elohim, Hashem Elohim. And what did they do? They went and they went and they killed all 450 of the false prophets of the, of the Baal. Now, meanwhile, what happened was, is that Izebo, the wicked queen goes over and sends a message to Eliyahu Navi. And she sends him a message that's saying, by the way, you should know that tomorrow I'm going to kill you. Um, I don't know if this was a mafia thing and be like, you know, like a, you know, a threat. This is what she sends him. And what is that whole threat tomorrow? Tomorrow I'm going to kill you? Because really it wasn't, you know, Eliyahu Navi was running from them the entire life. She was went and she went and she killed the, the, the prophets all the time. What's tomorrow? She's been doing this entire life, killing the Jewish prophets, the true prophets. So, but really what's, what, what it means over here is that she said, right now, you caused a great miracle. Today, I can't touch you. Like, look what you have done. You've made a crazy miracle. Everybody's following you. But guess what's going to happen tomorrow? By tomorrow, everybody's going to forget about what happened today, and that's when I'm going to be able to get you. And Leonardo was like, wow, you know, like, technically, you know, you're right. And so the story goes on. That he went to the desert. He went, uh, we're not going to get into the, you know, that part of the story. But 
This is where we can understand something very interesting. We know that the Jewish nation went and they got the Torah. They heard God. They saw, they, they, they saw the sounds. They heard the, it's ridiculous when they got Matan Torah, the, the level of prophecy that they reached to. The question that is asked, how is it possible that 40 days, 40 days after giving the Torah, they went and they sinned with the golden calf? 40 days, if God comes over to you, don't you think that's going to last a little bit longer than 40 days? And the answer is, like, not necessarily. Things go away. The motivation dries away very quickly. If you go to, uh, you know, to, to this motivational speech, and you decide you're going to change yourself, guess what? By next week, you're going to forget most of the speech. I was speaking yesterday in Roslyn. And I was speaking, and one woman came out and said she wants to keep Shabbat when she gets married. And I'm like, you know, if you want to keep Shabbat, you keep it right now. If you want to do something good, you do it right here, right now. Don't wait until the end of the class. Don't wait until tomorrow, because if you wait, it's going to go. It's going to, it, it's, it, it's done. And this is what Izebel said, like, by tomorrow, it's going to go already. The, the, all that powerful, you know, motivation, all that powerful miracle that you just showed the entire Jewish nation, by tomorrow, it's going to go away already. And that is so true to each and every single one of us and everything. You know, you go into either to a class or either you get... Sometimes you're just like motivated out of nowhere. The Gileleo, we're not going to get into that, this, this like inside of, of a Gileleo. But you get, you get some something like motivate anywhere. If you don't tap that, if you don't go and, and access that and utilize that, then within a few hours it's gone. That is why... Generally speaking, what happens is when you get motivated, you don't wait until after the motivation finishes. Not even, not even like, like wait until the end of the motivational speech or whatever it is that you're getting motivated by. Right then and there, while you're hearing and listening to the motivation, you're changing right here, right now. So if, if you're listening to this and it's like maybe inspiring you to do something, if you're going to stop and wait for a few hours, it's never going to happen. And this is what we could see all the time. You see this all the time that people get motivated, but by the time that the class is over or by the time something, you know, an hour goes by, nothing changes whatsoever nothing nothing changes you got motivated be like wow that was good and that's as far as it goes and then you go right back to your simple old ways simple bad ways you don't change you don't want to know why because motivation doesn't change you it's you who changes you and this is what happened also during the even even the extent of 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 the chata'ika the sin of the of the of the cat of the golden calf now when we look at this, we see Eliyahu and Abi is going to do what? He's going to come right before Mashiach comes to save us from what? From this evil inclination of the Yetzirah. From the Yetzirah to go and bring us to do tshuva. Now it's very unfortunate, and we're going to speak about this a little bit more in, in detail later, but you know how in the time of, of Eliyahu and Abi, there were people that were in both worlds. They were in the world of Baal worship, and they were also in the world of, of God. Today, in day and age, we're also in two worlds. We're, we're very much in two worlds. We're in the world of entertainment. We're in the world of where idolatry is now the money. In God we trust is literally on the dollar and that becomes the God. And we, tr- you know, and we trust in the money and we don't trust in God. I, there, there's so much, you know, even fashion. Even fashion used to be fashion just for women. Now it's fashion also just for men. You know, like, like the fact that people are obsessed with it. The people are, you know, like, you know, I, I, most of my classes are to men. And some of the men come in and they, they have, and they come in with a few thousand dollar coat. And they're like, oh, this is a blah, 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 And I'm like, you know, like, I've never even heard, uh, you know, you know, of this thing. It's like some sort of fly. Like, who is going to spend a few grand on a puffy coat? Like, like, it's not even woke. Like, what are you paying for? Like, what's going on? And be like, no, but you see on the zipper, you know, like, I'm like, come on, really? This is what's so, and I'm not saying you shouldn't buy nice things. If God gives you money, you should enjoy it and buy whatever it is that you want. But that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus shouldn't be all these things. That, you know, the, the, you know, in the, 
last cl- last week we gave a class um, and it was Thursday night. It was a uh, it was like in the beginning of Black Friday. I was seriously thinking, like, should we give the class? People are going to be shopping. People are, did I even ask you that? Did I? Say, I didn't say. I was in my mind. I was like, okay, what? Well, you know, because I know that shopping comes before Torah. I mean, it's not a. Unfortunately, I mean, for many people, probably not. But for like a small minority, you know, it does. And by small minority, I'm being very generous. And this is something that's very important. So we're living in two worlds. Comes Eliyahu Navi, just same, same excuse, same things is going to come to us and say, what are you going to choose? When are you going to decide? Are you going to live for this world or are you going to live for the next world? Are you going to decide that the whole purpose in this world is just here and now and all you care about is college? All you care about is marrying somebody who has enough money that will be able to support you and your maids and so on and so forth? Or do you care about something more important in this world that there's a reason and a purpose and a rhyme for everything that that happens over here. There's a reason why you're in this world, and that's not only to make money. It's not only to. Bezalel Hashem, Hashem should give every single one of us adbli die enough money to support us and our great 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 grandchildren. But at the end of the day, there you go. At the end of the day, it's not the ultimate goal, and we have to realize that. We have to realize. We have to figure out which world we are living in, and in order to do that, we have to overcome a certain entity that is very very powerful, and that entity is known as the Yetzirah. And here we come to try to introduce this uh, evil inclination. The Gemara tells us in Sukkot that when Mashiach comes, God is going to go and slaughter Shach the Yetzirah, meaning that the Yetzirah is going to die. D-E-D, dead, die. Right? Has anybody ever heard this before? And this me? Okay. So um, there are, the, the Yetzirah is going to be slaughtered. It's going to be the end of it. Now, the Gemara goes on and says something very interesting. It's, there's a Pasuk in Zechariah, chapter 8, verse 10. It says, those who go and come in in peace will not have peace. And the Gemara goes and explains, what does that mean? It says, usually, Talmidei Chachamim have peace during the time before Mashiach comes, even the Talmidei Chachamim will not have peace. Now, what does that mean? First of all, Rashi says over here, who is this enemy that we're referring to? It says there's an enemy going to come over here. The Rashi says this enemy is the evil inclination. And the, and the explanation is like this, is that when... You're living in this world, you have the power of the evil inclination that is, you know, influencing you. But if, let's say, you go and you learn Torah, you have the ability to overcome that power of the evil inclination. Talmidei Chachamim are constantly learning Torah, so they have the ability to go and overcome the evil inclination. However, right before Mashiach comes, they, even the Talmidei Chachamim, who generally have peace, what does that mean? They have peace from the evil inclination, they have peace from the enemy, that's the evil inclination. But even during the time before Mashiach comes, the Yetzirah is going to be so strong that even the Talmidei Chachamim are not going to be able to have peace from the enemy. Meaning it's going to be so strong, it's going to overcome, even while you're learning Torah, you're still going to have temptations. You're going to still going to have these issues and dealings and problems, you're going to have, going to sit in a class, and you're not going to be able to concentrate. You're going to be spacing out. You're going to be on your phone. You're going to be doing this. You're going to have a bunch of things that are going to go into. You're not going to be able to concentrate. You're not going to be able to understand the Torah. Explains the Torah's time. Says, why is this? He says, before, uh, before a power is vanquished, before something goes out, it, the, the last breath, it all of a sudden gets a strength, a, a, a power surge. If you if you ever been next to somebody who just passed away, if you realize either a few hours or a day before, all of a sudden they have a tremendous amount of energy, more than they had before. It looks almost as if they're getting better, and then they go and they pass away. And this is also if you look at the nighttime. The nighttime, when is the darkest part of the night? Right before it gets light again. Because the concept is that right before something goes, it, it, it gives all its strength and then it dies out. You have also this concept with the plants, we're not going to get into it. But right before Mashiach comes, the Yetzirah knows that it's going to die. It's going to go. So what it's going to do, it's going to use all its power, all its force, all its effort to go and, and try to get everybody to go into temptation and to sin. So it's right then and there, right here in this day and age is when the Yetzirah is going to go and even be able to go and overcome the Tamidei Chachamim while they're sitting and learning Torah. That's the extent of the power of the Yetzirah right before, right before it, gets, it gets killed. 
Now, last week, we spoke about there is a eulogy that's going to happen when Mashiach comes. We said that it's going to be a eulogy for Mashiach ben Yosef. There is, because he's going to die during, one, one you know, option is that he'll die during the war of, uh, you know, during Gog and Magog. So, the, there's another opinion that what is the eulogy for? The eulogy is for the Satan, the evil inclination. People are going to go and mourn the evil inclination. And what's going to be the righteous are going to see the evil inclination. After it dies, it's going to, it's going to appear to them as, as a huge mountain that they were able to overcome. But the evil people, the wicked people that weren't able to overcome the evil inclination, they're going to see the evil inclination as a small hair strand that it's easily able to, uh, easily able to, to rip apart and pull. Now, the question is like this. The question is that the righteous, the, the wicked that they will cry, they will feel bad. I understand. But why will the righteous cry? It makes no sense. Why are the righteous going to cry? Oh, so they overcame a big temptation. But why, why do they need to cry? They should be happy. So, there's a few answers to this. The marshal says that this will be tears of, of joy. They'll be like, what? This is what we accomplished? This is how big the evil inclination was and we were able to go and overcome it? And by the way, when I say righteous, it's anybody who overcomes a test in their life. You had a difficulties in your life and you overcome it. When Mashiach, get, when, when Mashiach comes and the evil inclination gets slaughtered, you're going to realize how difficult that test was and be like, you passed Mount Everest. Be like, what? I passed. So they're going to be tears of joy. The second answer the Abbot says is that why, why are they, uh, they going to cry and why are they going to mourn the evil inclination? Is while you have an evil inclination, you have an opportunity to grow. Everything that happens in this world, when you have a test, either good or bad, if you overcome it, that you're getting reward in Olam Abba. You're getting reward in the world to come. But what happens when Mashiach comes and the evil inclination gets slaughtered? There's no more reward. The, you know, the Chavetz Chaim goes and says, that's it. There's no, more, there's no more getting good or bad because the evil inclination is not here anymore. So we have to think about this for a second, that every single time that you come across a test, you have to realize this is a test the opportunity once in a lifetime. You have the opportunity. If Mashiach comes tomorrow, this test is never going to go. And by the way, you could utilize this. This is, this is really helpful to overcome tests. If let's say you have a specific test, uh, whatever it is, pick your test, either from modesty, Shabbat, kosher, whatever it is, anything that you want. And all of a sudden, you stop for a second and think, but wait a minute, like this could be the last one. This could be the last test. Every day it could come, any single day. But you think about it, wait a minute, so this could be the last test? For last test, one more time I could do it. You know, like I could, I could overcome this temptation one last time. So why are they going to cry? They're going to cry and be like, now there's no more gaining reward. Everything that was is, is now done. You cannot go and move higher in the world to come because that's it. You ready, you ready, the, the books are closed. It's game over. You know, now, now it's the, the, the era of reward. So it's really, it's really sad. It's a sad day that you're not going to be able to go and overcome the evil inclination. You're not going to be able to go and gain more reward. The third answer is the rift. It's so and then Yaakov goes and answers. Says that why the tzaddikim going to cry? They're going to cry because they're going to realize that the only way that they were able to overcome the evil inclination was only because of God's help. The evil inclination was so powerful that there is absolutely no way that they would be able to overcome it. And you know how they overcame it? Only because of God's help. You know how many times in our life we feel like we're so righteous? It'd be like, oh, you know how much money I gave to charity? Um, God's like, well, I just gave you the money to give to charity. The, the comparable is like, imagine. A father goes over to the kid and gives him five bucks and says, give it to that person over there who's collecting charity. And the kid goes and puts the money into the, into the charity box and be like, I am so righteous. I just gave charity. And the father's like, what are you talking about? I just gave it to you to give it to Like, what are you talking about? That's what you're so righteous about? God's going to be like, I gave you the money to give to somebody else. And that happens to everything in our life. We think that we overcome it. We overcome our temptation because what? Because God helps us. Yes, we have to do something. But ultimately, God's going to help us. Why are the righteous people going to die? The righteous people are going to cry. I'm sorry. Uh, because why? Because they're gonna they're gonna say like I thought I was so righteous the whole time. I thought that I overcame so much temptations. I thought that I grew so much when they realized I did everything only a little bit and God did the rest. 
they're like, wow, that's a reason to cry. That's a reason to be sad. This also humbles us. When we go and we do something right, all of a sudden we feel like we're at the top of the world. Who wants blessings? All right, come over here. You know, Misha Be'ach, Abateno, you got, you got, you know, it's a Sephardi blessing, right? They bring everybody. Right? Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Livka, Achaleah. You know, they bring everybody from them. They're all the ancestors to go and they go and give you all the blessings. And again, they should. But all of a sudden they realize, but wait a minute, wait, you're nothing. You're nobody. You know, what do you, you know, like when you realize that all of a sudden that, that humbles you, realize where you where, where you actually stand. The Vilna Golan goes and asks a question like this. Be like, you know, why do we need to know this? Like, why tell us this? Like, what, what do we gain from having this? It's a little bit depressing. Like, what do we gain from having this knowledge? Oh, guess what? You know, you're doing nothing. Everything is God. You know, congratulations for everything that you have accomplished. It was all God, nothing to do with you. Uh, so it's like, you know, like, what, what is the purpose of this? Says the Vilna Golan, says that this is very, very important to teach us that in order to get God's help, you have to give it all you got. When you go and you give it everything, then God's going to help you. But if you don't give it all, then God's not going to help you. So you want to utilize the ability to overcome. If you want to know why you haven't been able to overcome a certain sin, a certain desire, a certain temptation, it's because you didn't give it all you got. And you may think, well, there's no way, there's no chance that I'll be able to do it. There's no chance I'll be able to overcome it. Well, guess what? The second that you give it all you got, God's going to take it the rest of the way. Because that's the way that it goes. The Yetzirah is so strong, so powerful. The second that you give it all, God takes you the rest of the way. Maybe this we could say also why the wicked people, you know, go and they cry. And they realize, you know, like it was nothing that I could have overcame. But what does that mean that the, the evil inclination was nothing? Meaning all I had to do was something. All I had to do was just start working on myself. And then God would have said, I thought, you know, it's impossible for me to keep Shabbat. My parents will keep Shabbat for this. It's impossible for you to dress modestly. You know, like fashion is too important in my life. It's impossible to go and, and eat kosher and make bachot. I, I'm so busy. We have so many things. But if we would realize that all you had to do is just a little bit, just start, just do something, and then God will take you the rest of the way, all of a sudden realize, oh my God, there's a reason to mourn. There's a reason to cry. I could have done it. You know, the biggest shame is, let's say somebody goes in their entire life, all they care about is money. And they pray and they work and they, all they care about is money. Imagine the, uh, the, the, the suffering that will come in the next one and be like, all you had to do was just buy that lottery ticket. Like, you, were, you had it all. You had just had to do something. And you didn't, so you lost it all. That's how it is in, this, in, the, spiritual, in the spiritual world. We have the ability to become huge. The biggest that we have ever even, we have never even considered ourselves. We have the ability to become the greatest of our generation. But if we don't believe in that, and if we don't try to that, then it's never going to happen. And we say, there's no point, there's no way that I'll be able to do it. But guess what? All you have to do is just try. God doesn't say that you have to go and finish it. Just try. The second that you try, God will take you the rest of the way. Now there's something very interesting where the Gemara goes on and says, this is the part where you have to like, stay with me a little bit. I'm learning from last week. Not fully, because if I learned from last week, I'd have brought you know, charts. But here, stay with me a little bit, so try to, uh, you know, follow along with me in this, in this part. Crazy, unbelievable, beautiful, amazing. A bunch of other, you know, words. Okay, the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says, if one meets the evil inclination, the Yetzirah, what he's supposed to do, drag him into the Bet Midrash. And the Gemara goes and says, if the evil inclination is made out of stone, he will melt. And if he's made out of iron, then he will shatter. The Vilna Gon goes and asks a bunch of questions on this. Uh, what's, what's, what's going on up here? He says, what does the Gemara say? First of all, why would you drag the evil inclination into, you know, like imagine you meet your enemy, grab him by hand, be like, come with me, let's go, you know, do something together. Be like, no, you run the opposite direction. Why are you dragging the evil inclination with you into the, into the Beth Midash? You get an evil inclination, you go that way, I go this way. You know, let's play hide and seek. You hide, I will seek never. And you just go the other way. Why is it that we're bringing the evil inclination to the Beth Midash? We should just go the other way. That's question number one. Question number two, asked the Vilna Gon. What does it mean that if the evil inclination is like stone, then this is going to happen? If it's like iron, then this is going to happen? 
does the Gemara not know, the Chazad not know what they will, not unsure? They're doubting, be like, well, if it's this situation, then do this. If it's this, what do you mean? Do, do they not know what's going on? Question number three is, what does it mean that if it's like stone, then it will melt? If it's like iron, then it will shatter? If, if stone will melt, then iron will melt as well. Like, why do we have to utilize a different, you know, uh, a description of how to destroy that, that, the power, which is either out of stone or out of iron, just say, melt for both, or destroy for both, or shatter for both. Why do we have to utilize these two different concepts? Good? Questions understood? Okay. I may believe everybody shook their heads in agreement and smiled nicely. Okay, so now there are two categories in the Yetzirah. There's a category of arrogance. There's a category of like anger. This is like destruction. And there's another category of the evil inclination. This is lust, temptations, uh, physical pleasures, money, honor, all these things. The Gemara Chulin goes and says that there's two types of apikosim. There's somebody who goes and doesn't listen to God, lahachis, out of anger, out of arrogance. I'm not going to listen to God. Out of, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'm just going to go against God. And there's another person that goes against God, but has nothing to do with, you know, he's not, he's not doing lahachis, he's doing letava, he's doing it for something for temptation. He has a desire, you know, he doesn't want to keep shabbat. He, he wants to go to the beach on, on, on Saturday. He wants to go and, uh, you know, whatever it is, he wants to do his sins. It's not that he doesn't believe in God. It's not that he, he just has too much temptation and he can't overcome it. These are the two things. So the one he had out of arrogance, lachis, and one he had out of tava, out of temptation. Now, the yetah out of arrogance and, and anger, this is a masculine element. This is something that takes hold of a person, overcomes a person, and it utilizes the creativity of a person and misguides it. That's the, that's the, um, that's the evil inclination of arrogance. Then you have the evil inclination of lust. This is something that's more of a feminine, uh, you know, aspect, a feminine element that it works passively. That it takes hold of a person and it draws them after different temptations. Now, just as a side note, these two uh, correspond in, uh, you should not go and you should not, uh, you know, murder. This is out of cast and anger. And lost enough, you should not commit adultery. This is out of, this is corresponding to the temptation of, of lust and desire and morality is referring to adult, uh, you know, adultery. These also are the two things that we spoke last week. If you could keep along, you, you keep it, you know, track of what we spoke about last time and two times ago. And the, regarding Ishmael and Esav, Ishmael was what? Was the, the antagonist of, of lust, of desire. And Esav was the antagonist of what? Of the, of, of anger, of kas, of, of orderliness, right? So the, those, the arrogance that they had. So you had these two, these two powers that were going on during the, the time before Mashiach comes. So now, we try to understand this. If the yetzah of arrogance and out of anger is referred to as, as of iron, why, out of, why is it referred to as iron? Because the iron, you make swords, you make bows, you make arrows. All these things you make out of what? Out of, out of the stone, out of, out of iron. And these are the power to go and cause lethal damage. It actually could kill. The power of lust, of temptation, is referred to as stone. Why? Because this is passive. While it's difficult to conquer, it's, 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 it's a passive type of desire. Now, this is how we begin to understand it. The soul... If someone goes and goes after the Yetzirah of lust, that makes the soul uh, like a stone. It's called mitamtem alev. It, it goes and it creates the soul to have this sort of like block, spiritual block that you cannot go, like a klipot, yeah. That you cannot go and you cannot comprehend. You cannot, you can't, you can't understand why you're very, very cloudy. If somebody's delved into impurities, they have a very hard time understanding spirituality. And I was speaking, um, I was speaking yesterday and I was speaking to somebody who doesn't keep kosher. Says, like, how important is kosher? So regardless of how important kosher is, when, you know, when you, what you are, what you eat. So when you're eating non-kosher, it affects who you are. It also clogs your spiritual brain. You're not able to think clearly. You're not able to appreciate spirituality. You're not able to see these things. There are certain times, you know, and I see this all the time. It's something so fascinating. When you, re- 
when you, you deal, let's say, in the, in, the, in the Kirib world, you see two different Baal Tshuva. You see one person has the ability to just like, you know, they grab onto the spirituality and they just run with it. And they go to like crazy heights. And you see the same person from the same family, you know, maybe even a twin, and they're just not able to go with it. They're just like, they're not able to. And they're like, what's going on over here? You're saying the same things. They came with the same upbringings. They have the same situations. How is it one is have the ability to go and go, you know, to, 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 to places that he's never dreamt that he would be able to reach? And another place, it doesn't matter what goes, it like deflects it. It goes just right off. And the answer is, it depends on what's going on in your soul. There's sometimes there's a, there's a deflection going on in the soul. If you're delved into the immorality, if you delve into these certain sins of desires and temptation, it's, you're not going to be able to appreciate, you're not going to be able to understand spirituality. You know, if you ever think about it, if you ever realize, if, if you ever sit in class and you cannot comprehend it, and you cannot understand it, and you, and it could be a slew of reasons, but one of the reasons could be it's you. Could be you have a spiritual blocking going inside of you. You have to think about it. Wait a minute. Maybe there's something I need to do tshuva. Maybe there's something that I need to fix myself that will be able to make myself better, to be able to be more receptive to spirituality. Maybe I could open myself into something that I could be able to understand what is going on in this world. Sometimes we're so clogged up in our brain that we don't see anything. And this is so true even when people are dating. Sometimes they're dating and they're, clog- they're clogged. They don't know that this person is an abusive person. This person is going to cause them a tremendous amount of suffering, but they're so clogged up you know, that they, they cannot see it. So we have to first, before we even you know, un- try to go and comprehend the levels, you know, people come and they want to learn all the Kabbalistic levels. You know, like I've had somebody that go and went and they asked me, they wanted me to start a class on the Tanya. I'm like, the Tanya is such a Kabbalistic work. Like, why don't you start keeping Shabbat first? Like, let's forget about learning anything. Like, why don't you start doing something first before you delve into some Kabbalistic works? People go, Kabbalah centers. Let me go and learn Kabbalah. You don't know what the Aleph looks like. Like, what are you learning Kabbalah? Like, what, you know, like, I don't understand what, first of all, whatever, whole world, don't go. You know, like, period, that's it. You know, and, and, you know, okay, I I could go a lot longer, but I don't want to get sued. Uh, You know, but you have to do things right. You have to first clear yourself. You have to realize where you're coming from. The, the spiritual, the tuma level that you have. If you're going to learning from a place from a Kabbalah where they're going and they're using a microphone on Shabbat, guess what? It ain't going to penetrate. Nothing's going to happen inside. Nothing. You're not going to understand anything. You might think you understand. You might go, I, you know, I was speaking to somebody. Where does he learn to laugh from? From somebody who doesn't keep Shabbat. I'm like, what? I don't even know what to tell you. Like, it's like going to, to, to a guy who is, has, let's say, I don't know, got lung cancer, and he's speaking to a doctor who is smoking while he's telling him what to do. Be like, hey, listen, smoking is really bad. You know, you should not be doing, you know, this stuff. It's not be doing that. And then he keeps on, and then while he's doing this, he's taking a puff of his pipe and his hookah and this and all these other things that he's doing over here. And he's inhaling 15 cigarettes. I'm like, this is not a guy that you listen to. You don't take diet advice from somebody who's 450 pounds. You take diet advice from somebody who can barely see, right? Borderlining anorexia. Be like, you know what you're doing. So what do you do? You, you know, you, you starve yourself. Okay, very good. And you punch yourself. Very good. Okay, that makes sense. You know, like, this is what you do. You know, you, you, you try to utilize. So you're going to learn spirituality from somebody who doesn't do spirituality? Like, how does that make sense? It doesn't make sense, you know, whatsoever. It's like somebody who deals with drugs goes and gives an anti-drug campaign. You're like, what's going on over here? You don't keep Judaism. You don't keep Shabbat. And you're teaching Shabbat? Unbelievable. Um, so, I meant teaching Torah. I don't know why I said teaching Shabbat. Sometimes I have to take a drink just to slow down a little bit. Getting to, uh, what time is it? No one look at your clocks. Oh, it's only early. Okay, so now, the going back to what we're talking about over here. 
the evil inclination of lust is compared to a stone. Because a stone is able to go and is, is metamtem alev. It's able to go and, 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 and take over what you are as a being and, and, and block the spirituality. Now, if you want to go and overcome that, how do you go and you overcome that? Says the Gemara says, how do you do that? You have to learn parts of the Torah that is compared to water. What are parts of the, of the, of the Torah that's compared to water? This is the Agada. The Agada is like the non-halachic portion of the Gemara. You're talking about the stories, the parables, the, the you know, the, the lessons that we learned. Agada. Musa? And Musa. That's the second thing. And Musa. And Musa. That takes you out of the, temp, uh, out of the evil inclination out of, of stone, which is, uh, which you have to go through water. If you want to go, and why, by the way, why is it that it's referring to that, that the, the stone melts? Because in order to overcome it, it's a very long process. And just like a, you know, something that's melting is a slow process, so to overcoming this temptation is a slow process. However, when you're dealing with the, with the Yetzirah, the evil inclination of arrogance, of anger, uh, of that type of desire, this you have to fight it with fire. How do you fight it with fire? What part of the Torah is fire? That is the part of the halachic discussions back and forth in the Gemara. The parts that you have to, the, you know, the, the fiery exchanges that's going on between the, between the Tanaim and the Ma'orim. This is the halachic aspects of the Torah. That's what you have to do. But what, what is so special about this one is that is, is this evil inclination, that you're, if you go and if you overcome it, you shatter it instantly. It goes in an instant. It's not like a slow, a slow one like the stone. It goes instantly at, you know, like, uh, um, like, a, like you're shattering something and it just destroys it. So, during this time, when you have to think about <clears throat> that the way the evil inclination works is when it comes to you, it doesn't come to you to do something crazy. It comes to you to do something small. Just start something. You know, that's how, you know, just like, you know, like, I don't want to give examples, which is, I don't give any ideas. Just start something small. And, what? Like a fly. Like a little fly, a little spider's web, whatever you want to call it. And says, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you, you know, like, you know, you heard what happened to, uh, what's his name, her so-so? You know, like, oh yeah, you broke an engagement. Mm, yeah. You want to know why? That's what I heard. Um, you know, I don't know. She was, uh, had some sort of history. I don't want to say, not saying La Janara, but, you know, like, I don't know what it be. And you go, I'm not really saying, I'm just, everybody knows it. Like, it's not really La Janara, everybody knows it. You know, like, all these excuses that evil inclination is putting into your head, and all of a sudden you're starting spilling some things that you shouldn't speak about. What's going to happen in the beginning, the evil inclination is like a small little thread. And you have the ability, if you just stop yourself, just like close your mouth and zip it up, you have the ability to overcome it. But the second that you indulge in it, the second that you delve in it, it the spider web is going to get thicker and thicker and thicker until it's one of those ropes that tie boats. You ever see those ropes? You know, those are ridiculously thick ropes. You can't cut those ropes. That's the way the email connection works. You have to work on yourself. In the beginning, right in the beginning, before even the temptations comes, you have to go and like snip it. you got to like cut it off right then and there. Because if you don't, the more that you continue, and if you have a certain issue that you're dealing with, if you have a certain desire, a certain problem in your life that you're dealing with, if you don't take care of it right now, it's going to get very difficult. And that's what I was telling this woman who said that you want to, you know I'm going to keep Shabbat when I get married. You have a certain issue that you have to deal with. You have to deal with it right now. You want to change. That's why change has to happen right here, right now. You want to become a better person and every single one of us could become a better person. Every single one of us could leave this room tonight or leave listening to this lecture, whatever it is, whatever you're hearing this. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to change myself right here, right now. And if you don't do that, it's not going to happen. But if you do do it, you have the ability to do it right now, you're going to be able to snip it so much easier than if you delay and if you wait. There's some people... You know, especially the, when I speak to the men, they have, you, know, you can tell they have a little bit of anger issues. Be like, you know how bad this is going to be for marriage? You know how difficult this is going to be for your wife and your kids? If you don't work on it right now, it's, it's, you're going to be destroyed. And your kids are going to be destroyed. And your wife is going to be destroyed. 
And it's also people have desires for, let's say, you know, lust and temptation. If you don't work on it right now, people think, I'll get married and it'll go away. No, no, no. If you don't work on it right now when you're single, it's not going to go away when you're married. It's going to go, it's going to, maybe it'll go slightly lower, but over time it's going to come back. You have to go and you have to work on yourself right here, right now. People think, okay, you know, when I have, you know, 16 kids and then I won't have the desire to dress modestly, then I'll dress modestly, you know? When it, no, no, no. You have to work on yourself right now. It's not going to get easier unless you start right here, right now. And this is what happens right before Mashiach comes. We're going to be living in two worlds. We're going to be living in a world of anger, of lust, of, uh, of, of, of like arrogance. And we're going to be living also after chasing our desires. And we're also going to come to classes, you know, Thursday nights. You know, we're going to be come, we're going to be in two worlds. We're going to be in the kosher world and we're going to be in the in-kosher world. And Eliyahu Nabi is going to come, Baba Yom, and that holy day, the final day, says, what's going on with you guys? Pick a side. Are you going to be the right side or are you going to be on the left side? Are you going to be Democrat or Republican? I'm kidding. Are you going to, where are you going to go and you're going to decide? Are you going to go for God or are you going to go for, you know, this desires in this world? We have to go and we have to think about it. We have to think about what is our purpose in this world. Yes, we have to go and we have to work and we have to to do whatever it is I need to do. And not only that, God says, I want you to enjoy this world. You make blessings on the enjoyment of this world. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong in going and enjoying and doing whatever it is that you need to do as long as it's kosher according to halacha. But the question is, what is the purpose of it all? Where do you come down to? Where does it come down to? Is it come down to like, you know, you have people, well, let's say they go to class all the time. But then they have a certain test that's in a week and a half and they have to go on their study. I'm like, is two hours really going to take you out out of that whole realm? What about if you don't watch two TV shows? I don't know how long TV shows are. Whatever it is. Don't watch a movie. Whatever. You don't watch that. Where is your importance in your life? Is your importance what? Is, is college what's most important? Is work what's most important? Or is God what's most important? We have to think, we have to stop for ourselves. And when we leave this room tonight, we have to think of a second. Are we living in this world? Or are we living in the next world? Think about what Eliyahu Navi will say. Decide. Where are you going to be? I want to finish off with one final thought. And that is, that what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? When Mashiach comes, it's, you know, the evil inclination they have destroyed. So what's the whole purpose of the Mashiach era? Well, let's just jump to, into Allah Mabal. Let's just jump into the world to come. And that's just that, that during, you know, our day and age, that we want to work on ourselves. We want to grow. But we have a lot of, you know, blocks that we can't overcome. We, we have to go and we have to work. And we have to, you know, there's kids. And there's, there's so many things. And there's dating. And there's college. And there's so many things that go and they bombard us. And we want to grow. We want to become better. But we can't utilize that because we have so many, you know, blockage of, of things that are happening. What's going to be when Mashiach comes? Mashiach comes, we're going to be able to, to utilize our potential to our maximum full potential. Now, but how is that going to work? Like, how are we going to be able and utilize our potential to the fullest? Whatever you start working before Mashiach comes, you have the ability to complete it when Mashiach comes. But if you didn't even start it, you're not going to be able to do anything over there. There's no, it's not going to be any inclination. So if you go and you want to start working on yourself on something, you have to start it right now. So what happens if Mashiach is going to come? Well, it's out of Shabbat already, right? So Mashiach comes Motzei Shabbat. What happens if Mashiach is going to come and be like, well, I, there was so much I wanted to work on. There's so much I wanted to become. I know I could be better. I know I could be great. I know I could be amazing. I know I could be awesome. But I didn't even start it. If you start it, then you have the ability to work on it when Mashiach comes. Imagine the frustration and the anger and the depression that we're going to have to go through. And the, not depression, the, the sadness that we have to go through. When Mashiach comes and be like, wait a minute, if only I would have started if only I would have just begun to follow the correct path and I would be able to finish it, I would be able to get to the highest level possible. So we have to, it's very, very important that we think about this for a second. And we, 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 we internalize the concept of what is it that I need to do? Now, <clears throat> it's very difficult to go and think because, and that's it, very difficult to think because in our day and age, 
you know, we constantly have things in our ears. We're constantly watching something. We're listening to something. We're hearing something. It's, you don't see people just walking and just like, you know, I'm not talking about spacing out. I'm talking about thinking. Thinking in your own world, like, what should I do better? Like, what is it that I could change? What is it? When was the last time that you walked? I'm not talking about laying in your bed. I'm talking about walking in the street and thinking about what you could do better. It would be very, very sad if it was never. Be very, very unfortunate if it was a week ago. But when we leave tonight, stop for a second and think, what could I do before Mashiach comes? Mashiach is coming. It's going to be soon. Just look at all the messages that I get from people. You know, that's it. Mashiach is coming. They know it. Right? Um, so Mashiach is coming. What are you going to do? How are you going to go and change yourself to prepare yourself for when the day is going to come and it's going to be the Yitzhak is going to be shafted. It's going to be done. Eliyahu Navi is going to be there and says, what's going on? Are you going to be in the group that says, listen, I was with you all along. He's just going to be like, yeah, what's going on with you guys? Pick a side. Or are you going to be on the side and be like, I don't know, and it's going to be game over and you're not going to be able to do anything. Very, very unfortunate. Comment upon each and every single one of us. Contemplate it. Think it. And even more importantly, do something about it. Let's open up for any questions. I have a question. Yeah. Stones don't melt. Stones, like metal melts, and it's like the opposite. Yeah. I, I don't know what the Gemara says. that yeah, This is referring to the, the... But it's interesting because stones don't melt with fire. But what does the Gemara say? It utilizes it with water. Water, stones do disintegrate. We learned this from, if you keep on dripping something with water, it goes and it, and, it, and it disintegrates. So it doesn't melt in the extent of fire, but it's very interesting that the Gemara does utilize that. It says, how are you going to go and overcome stone with water? What is the water? That's that God that we spoke about. So, yeah, that's a good point. How, but you're right, you know, when you go to like the, um, if anybody ever seen the, the, the way a sauna works, is that they put the stones on it. The stones are the ones that, you know, they don't melt, they get hot, and that's how they utilize it. I'm sure that everybody here was Russian knows what I'm talking about. Um, um, but, but that's, no? Yeah. It's a part of a rite of passage. The second that you're born, you drink vodka and you go to the sauna. Yeah? What can be done for Tim Tim you have to go and follow the, the, you know, the two things of learning. Uh, Torah, Torah is really go. First of all, it's, it's removing it. So let's say you have a timtum alev because you're eating non-kosher. So stop it. It's very interesting. You have people that go to like Shabbatons and they don't go to any classes. They just sit there, but they're eating kosher for like 24 hours. So that digestive, everything non-kosher ran out of the system. So even them, they're coming out a little bit clearer, a little bit more spiritual. So even that, it's already worth it to go to this type of, uh, you know, these types of getaways because you, you start thinking it. You have people... That even you have like siblings, for example, that are religious, and the parents or siblings are not religious, and they try to get them, but the siblings don't understand that. that besides the fact that they can't comprehend or whatever it is, they, they also have a, this, there's a spiritual blockage that's going on. It's not if you had the ability to be raised not religious, and now you're religious, you have to thank God for that. That's a crazy power. Like you see, a lot of people don't have that. Now, Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of people having it. But if you had the ability to overcome it, you have the ability to get closer to God because you know, you know, when the situation that you raised up, there is something really special about you. There's something really going on that you know, like you know, especially if you brought you know, were raised eating non-kosher, not giving shabbat, all these things. So it's something very, very, uh, you know, uh, you know, amazing. So number one is stop doing bad things to go and start to clear your spiritual. I would call it aura, spiritual, you know, power. And number two is is start delving in the Torah, start delving in the spiritual world, in the realm. So does it like fighting our Yitzhara is what actually makes us greater yes. in a way? So if we don't have it when the chef comes, are we going to become any greater or we're just 
So that's right. So if when Mashiach comes, the only way that you could become greater is only to work. Is you only have the ability to work on things that you worked on while yeah to continue that. After that, you don't have anything to work. Right. That's it. It's game over. Technically, in a certain extent, it's game over. There's like a little bit of a bonus round that's going on, but besides that, the, for the majority, yeah, it's it's scary. That's why people mourn. Uh, you know, during that time, they're 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 mourning, they're giving eulogies on the on the evil inclination. In a sense, yeah. Whoever's around. At least, yeah. What about the people that died and then they didn't get to work on stuff? When Mashiach comes, are they going to get to work on stuff? It's the same thing as as people that are alive. The same, yeah. It doesn't, yeah. Huh? Wherever they are, where we're. Yeah, they started working on it beforehand, and yeah, they could continue. If not, then they can, yeah. 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 Given how close we are to the year 6000, um, uh, I read in a safer that argued that it's too late uh, for. Which safer did you read that on? Uh, redemption, something, something. They had it in an orthodox school. Redemption unfolding? Not redemption unfolding. Uh, I will clean or send you the title and see what you think of the. Yeah. Safer. It was in an orthodox school. What, what was that? It said that there's no hope that what? Uh, this was from someone who uh, was in the Holocaust and he was uh, writing about all of this at that time. And he was arguing that Mashiach um, would come, the kids would be concerned little by little. Uh, because we are so close already that it's like too, we're too late or the generation's too bad for it to come fast, as the argument oh, no. which is a very, uh, which, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, it, it says, if it's, if it's, the first of all, that, unless I'm misunderstanding it, that completely goes against the, 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 the animamin that we believe that Mashiach is coming every single day. So according to this person, uh, that's kfira. I mean, again, I don't want to, I have to look into this book and see what it is, but, um, you know, like that is that is that's on borderline feel. That is, you know, I wouldn't be like Mashiach is not going to come now until you know. Like no, we have to believe that it comes every single day. But again, I I, I would have to look into that. But that's uh, definitely a no no. Uh, from yeah, Mashiach could come any single day. Any other questions? I heard yeah. something along those lines. Not that he can come every single day, but that he can't come like the good way because of because of the it's past a certain time or something like that. No, it could come. It could, you know what I'm about. Yeah, either it could come early or either it could come on time. It could still come early. Yeah, I, I've never seen. And again, what do I know about Mashiach? Uh, you know, like, uh, but of all my research and learning that I've done, I've never seen any source that says that Mashiach is not going to come early. I think something about passing the early time and now it's only past a certain. <laughs> but I will tell you like this that. There are many concepts, especially when you're dealing in the mystical concepts, that if you don't understand one word, or if you skim it in one word, it changes everything. That's why, you know, it's, it's very problematic that people go and they jump into the mysticism. They go and they jump into Kabbalah. I'm like, you don't understand anything. Like, what, you, like, why are you, like, why are you delving into this? You know, you should be delving into the basics. Forget about the, you know, and this is something very interesting. What I generally do is I deal a lot in the basics. Yes, I put in capitalistic concepts. I put in some mysticism in it. But basically, we understand the basics. And the basics in the sense that I've had people that were not religious from birth. I'm talking about like religious, like super Hasidish religious that they learn no English, just Gemara all day. And they say like they learn things that they've never Heard or learned about before in their life, so we we sometimes we jump too far ahead and we don't realize if you don't have a strong foundation, 
or if you misinterpret one word, then you misinterpret the entire concept. Very, this is also when you ask a rabbi an halachic question. If there's one, it could be one word that it could change the rabbi's response to either kosher or non-kosher, or good or not good, do it or don't do it. So there's many, many things that it's very, very important that some people, they know how to ask questions to the rabbis. They know how, they want to get a certain answer. So they know how to ask in a certain way that'll bring them the answer that they want. You, you know, you can't cheat the system. Yeah. That's something else. See how see how you said explained it so differently. That's something else. That's very possible. That you could say again. Like, yeah, maybe that's the time. We don't know when's the final time. We don't know when 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 it's early. But that makes sense. But see, that's very possible. It's beautiful. This is like Gemara class. We're figuring it out. All right. Any other questions? No. Okay. Chazakabo. I bother somebody to. Um... Thank you. All right. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.